Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dan Assor Show, supported by TF Connect, Tarsus Group, Terrapin and 19 Group, and the show's official venue sponsor, Carbon Neutral Conference and Exhibition Centre, BDC London, who are currently setting their sights on reaching net zero before 2030. Visit bdc.london for more information. Please check out all of my content on danassor.com and be notified first about new episodes by subscribing to my YouTube channel and by following me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify platforms. So I am delighted to welcome the group CEO of Art Network, Simon Foster. How are you today? Hi, Dan. I'm very good, thank you. Delighted to be here. I had a quick check of the calendar and it's almost two years to the day. Uh, I think it was the 11th of May that the original announcement was put out that Arc Network had been born. At the time, you suggested that you wanted to build the future of networking and a next level event business and that you wanted to take the next step in connecting and supporting communities and building business networks. Two years on, how have you been getting on doing that? That's a great question. That's good research. That 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 headline, that uh, anniversary, passed me by a bit. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's we did announce we announced the partnership with Eagle Tree two years ago. Obviously, at that sure. time we didn't have a business. Sure. Um, but we announced that we would be wanting to build the businesses. Um, in that respect, I guess we've done well from because from August uh, that year, from August twenty twenty one, we then bought uh, a business a year, a business a quarter, I should say, sure. six quarters in a row. So. I'm delighted that we now have a business. Uh, we have something to actually work with and, and try and yeah. do that. And I'm delighted with the format that's taken. Um, yeah, I often I often refer to people when I talk about the claims about inventing the future of networking and what have sure. you. Is it, it does sound very grand, but actually it's it's genuine in terms of what we wanted to do. Are we there yet? Which I guess was the point of your question. <laughs> no. Are we yeah. making good progress? Uh, Yes, I'd like to think we are. We're, you know, the, the businesses that are part of the art network have the characteristics that I was looking for and, and what we wanted to do. But they also, you know, we have teams and expertise within the business that are really thinking about what that phrase means and what we can do. So, yeah, sure. yeah we have a business where we didn't have that <laughs> two years yeah. ago. Yeah. We, we have that, uh, that vision in place. We have a strong leadership team, an excellent leadership team that are very focused on the same aim. So yeah, now we've got to make that that happen. Sure. No, because it's interesting, because obviously when you know you launch a business, you have to, whatever shape, size, whatever industry, you know, you, you release statements, you tell people what it's, uh, what you're planning on doing with it. Uh, but as you know, it's not always a straight line to, to where you think you're going to get to. And things, you know, come up, come in outside of your control that sort of uh, knock you off path. And it's not necessarily a negative thing but things change. But what you're saying is broadly on track to deliver against the objectives and the type of business that you're looking to. Fulfill. Yeah, we're, we're very much on track in terms of that. Um, I'm not sure that we've yet touched wood had anything that's, that's knocked us off track, but what's been interesting is it's interesting. You say when you start a business there, um, I often say I have a huge admiration for people who are what I would call real entrepreneurs in this industry. Sure. People who start something from fresh, start something without anything. Arc is not really, it wasn't really a blank piece of paper. Yes, it was in my head when, when we started it and in that of Eagle Tree as well. But 
actually, obviously, what we're taking by taking six businesses, we've got businesses that have long established credentials. You know, AgriConnect has a brand that's nearly 180 years old in, in, in Farmers sure. Guardian. So they're well established in what they do and where they are. Um, so I don't feel that we've started something from new. We're more taking the building blocks that we had and putting them together. And I think when I think about what we meant by that phrase of, of, of reinventing the, the, the future of networking, it's, I often talk about our business not being an events business. Yes. Don't get me wrong. We, we, we run events and events are going to be the core of what we do in terms of the experience. And I am a huge believer in live media, as I'm sure you would expect me to say. Sure. But, but I say we're more about a business of connecting people. That's what we do. That's in the end, essence what all events do. We, we connect people and help them do business by giving them information, connections, environments, whatever, to help them do business. And that, that's what we do. And I think what's the better phrase we often use is we talk about connecting people however, whenever, and on whatever platform they want. Because for me, that's the key. Um, and what used to bug me was the idea in the past, and I have to say this was pre-COVID as well. This isn't a COVID plan although COVID did coincide with when we started. The plan was really to, you know, it's, it's, I used to be bugged when people would say, well, look, we can't help you connect unless you buy a booth at the stand, at the show. Yeah. We yeah. can't put you on this website. We can't do other things. And and, and I always thought that was a, a strange thing that we should do. So what I'm very much more focused on is the business that we have are not just about events. They have strong content propositions, on various formats. They have a strong ability to drive some form of engaged or subscribed or membership model within the communities and the ecosystems that they serve. And they offer a variety of models, several different events models, but also you know, digital advertising, marketing as a service, um, syndicated co content, all of those different things. And, and that's because I believe that networking is about using all of those tools, not only to provide value for, for people to connect, for buyers and sellers to connect or by informing them and doing that, but also it allows us to understand much more about what people are doing and provide much more appropriate, bespoke, if you want to call it that, experiences for those people. And I sure. think that's the key because there was a big thing that struck me um, when I finished at Comic Explosion and before I, I started ARC, um, I was at the UFCO Summit in, in, in Italy. The big part of what we were talking about there, I was lucky enough to be chairing that meeting, was about how the industry was suffering from poor NPS scores. And I know a lot of people will understand that, but the industry as exhibitions, despite being one of the most favoured medium, was still people were saying, well, the NPS is not good. And there's a whole range of, of things about that to do with lack of ROI, lack of focus, lack of bespoke experience. I personally felt a large degree of that was due to the fact that, and me included in this, had been running exhibitions where we'd been investing in running the event, dressing the event, preparing the event, rebooking the event and selling them and getting on that, as opposed to thinking about why people were connecting what sure. they wanted to do, how we wanted to drive that. And so that's quite a long answer, but that's kind of what, what, what I think about. It's that idea of we are an event business, but I don't want us to think like an event business. I want us to think like uh, we are just about connecting people. Yeah. Um, and that's what all the businesses that we have, you know, we, we have, they all have the characteristics to do that in varying degrees. 
And, and what we're trying to do is then bring them together and exchange best practice between each of them as to how best to develop that omni-channel, multi-channel, whatever you want to call it, approach. Sure. Thank you. And I know that the the model, correct me if I'm wrong, originally was to buy into companies, and you mentioned some of them already, but also the likes of Incisive as well, um, and use the group experience, scale, I guess, common platforms to generate growth. Is that how the model's actually been working, or has it been more a case of 100% acquisitions? Yes, that's the objective, and, and yes, it is working, actually. Yeah. One acquisition a quarter for six quarters is a lot of work. Yeah, and I, I can tell you that they weren't the only six acquisitions we talked to during that time. So you can imagine we were busy. Yeah, I think we we, we acquired a business uh, called LRP, um, a Florida-based business, in October last year, um, and that that gave us a, a that effectively doubled our scale in terms of revenue and, and business, but also gave us two very strong sectors in HR and education, primarily in the US. And what that 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 was really a turning point for us because, as you say, we're we are about driving scale and building building with the business. We're, you know, that's not unique. There are dozens of businesses sure. in our industries that have done that, so I don't, don't, don't claim that. Um, but actually, when we did the LRP acquisition, that gave us the real scale we wanted, and, and there was a pivot. Oh, I hate that term. Sorry. There was a change in our I'll, I'll cut it out. There. I'll cut it out. <laughs> you don't have to cut it out. I, I love saying that. I don't know. Um, we... we we stopped being, you know, I say we were probably eight, or certainly me personally, 80% focused on acquisitions at that time and 20% on building the strategy and driving that. That said, the leaders that we had coming in the business in the UK particularly were already starting to execute the strategy. I think at that point we've switched the balance, as I say, and now we are very focused on on really doing the, the, the things that you pointed out there is working across the businesses. I you, I'm sure you've seen this. I talk a lot about a network approach, which is a, is a, not necessarily the best word, but the idea of that is we want our companies, or more importantly, our brands, because that's what we are, our team brands, focused on what they do for their customers, immersed in their markets, immersed in their segments, and really thinking about how we can continue to help people drive value. So what we don't do is we don't plug everybody into a Borg and say, right, you're all going to have to operate on this finance system, do sales this way, do marketing right. this way. Within the business, you know, as I say, we have different centers of excellence and we're already seeing cross-fertilizations for them. So the incisive business that we work, um, that we had is now under uh, Jonathan Whiteley, who's the CEO there, who was of incisive, is now running the European businesses in ARC. And the team there that had done the digital transformation very successfully in incisive are now overlooking AgriConnect and the other European businesses like Bridge for Food and looking how they can take that expertise and build that into there. Interestingly, we're also then putting more large-scale event experience into the incisive part of the business. So trying to take those centers of excellence and driving them. But at the same time, also driving cores of technology and sharing those things. So sure. Yes, it's starting to work, but I'm, you know, like everybody, I'm a bit impatient. I'd love it to be a bit quicker, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're definitely yeah. seeing seeing the, uh, the opportunity to grow. You have held senior positions at the likes of UBM and Comexposium. How does the business differ from from those previous businesses? Yeah, I'm smiling because I get into trouble whenever I say these in interviews and my former colleagues ring me up and go, what did you say that for? Why is that a difference? <laughs> like, the key difference is, is what I talked about is is certainly in UBM, which I can talk about because now it's obviously part of Informa has moved on. Sure. We were very successful at bringing people into the business 
and, and, and getting, you know, sharing those, but not just sharing best practice, but having one way of selling, doing a sales program that works across the world, making sure everything looked the same, making sure we operated well and doing economies of scale. And that's a, it was a very valid and very positive thing. I think occasionally what that did sometimes was lose lose the, the entrepreneurialism and the focus of teams within in the business. Um, also, there was very much a focus on events um, and yeah. less on, 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 on the content bits. When I was in UBM, we shut a lot of magazines, and, and I understand, you know, and I, you know, I know why we did that, and, and I know what we wanted to do because the financially they weren't working. But I think, in essence, with hindsight, we began to realise that we maybe we'd a bit thrown the baby out with the bathwater in that, in so much as, yes, the model of printed media wasn't working, but we were, but the need of content and those other interactions was there. So. Right. Um, I think Com Explosion and UBM Informer are fantastic businesses and I have a huge amount of admiration for them. I think the bits we're just trying to do is take the best bits out of them. Where they've got businesses that focus on the customer, we want to overemphasize that and really drive that. Yes, we do want to bring content and those other media within, but but Informer certainly do a very good job of that, mm. probably more so than UBM did. And Com Explosion has that and has been developing that and growing that. But I think we're trying to do that from the start rather than sure. reinvent that going forward. Sure. Um, and I think that's what that's really the key difference there is what yeah. we're trying to do. And it's interesting. So what you're saying is previously it might have, you look you might look at a publication, look at its PL, it's either making money, not making money. You look at an event, look at the PL's making money or throwing off cash. You might you know, my words, ditch that because financially it's not performing in a, in isolation. But actually now what we're doing is looking at everything that makes up the serving of that community. Not necessarily one piece is making this amount of money and that's not profitable. Was that sort of the way that you're looking at it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great summary. And I, and I think, yeah. you know, I think other people have realized that. And we should acknowledge also, you know, when those magazines were being closed and we weren't thinking about the other ways of doing it, the, the ability to tr move from um, traditional media into, into digital was restricted because the technology wasn't there, the bandwidth sure. wasn't there. We, there were lots of things we didn't know and customers didn't understand it, right? We, yeah. didn't, we didn't know where we were. So that that complexity has become even more. And, and you know whether you call that event technology or whether you just call that media technology or whatever, the ability for us to do more and understand more about our data, about our customers, and interact mm. that with the contents become much more important. So, yes, I, you know, other companies can see this and do that. It's I think that, that there's more things that have changed than, than than just the finances. But you know, yeah, you're right. We're not just taking that blanket view. Sure. I think you know there are other companies that are doing that. You know, if you look at Questex in the, in, in the US, Questex is a wonderful business. Very much got a mix like we have, or like we're aspiring to have. Um, and it's interesting because we, we looked at Questex before at the same time as Mid-Ocean with Paul were looking at it and what have you. And um, I know a lot of people discounted the fact that it had traditional magazines, albeit they're moving to digital and the digital elements versus the events they had. And of course, Paul was able to see beyond that and has very much now proven that they've got the right, the right balance because they, they do that as well. So I think and other companies are trying to do that as well, especially post-COVID. But so I think that 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 whole model is 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 you know, I don't know whether that's going to become the future because lots of other people in the industry are not doing that; they're going back to where they were. But I think that is that is the key to it.
Hi, I hope you enjoyed the podcast so far. Just going to take a brief pause to tell you a little bit more about our official venue sponsor, the Business Design Centre. The BDC is London's most stylish venue, playing host to hundreds of conferences and exhibitions every year. It is also the permanent home to over 125 businesses who occupy the offices and showrooms based there all year round. Opened over 36 years ago in 1986 and formerly the Royal Agricultural Hall, the building was rescued from demolition in 1981 by entrepreneur Sam Morris and was fully restored and reopened as the UK's first integrated trade exhibition and conference complex. Today, the BDC attracts almost one million visitors every year. Sustainability is at the forefront of everything they do at the BDC with a goal to reach net zero before 2030. For over 13 years, it has been a certified carbon neutral venue and the steps they have taken to improve their impact on the planet have been recognised within the events industry and further. The BDC has received recognition with multiple awards, including Exhibition News CSR Award in both 2018 and 2019, and more recently, the EN ESG Award in 2022. Please visit bdc.london for more information. Now back to the podcast. Sure. Talk to me about the role of data. Give me, give us a flavour of what ARC are doing with regards to, to data and how they see data as central to the conversation. It's really funny. I, I, I don't see this as a new thing. I think if you boil back to where our industries come from, it's always been when you break, it, break that down to the fundamentals, it's about a list of buyers and a list of sellers, which is data, right? Yeah. And our job is to provide ways of connecting them, helping them do business, as I've said several times already. So this whole thing of data is not new. It's where our business has always been based. I think, obviously, as technology's improved and as, as, as things have developed, the ability to do more with data is, is allowing us to create more experiences and do things. We had data scientists in our business in UBM probably 15, 16 years ago. Um, I'm not going to lie, we spent a lot of time trying to understand what the hell they were talking about and what they were trying yeah. to do. But I think the whole industry, if it's honest, is, is, is our industry has realized probably way after the likes of Amazon and other companies have, is actually how important it is to do that, even though that's what we've always done. And I think they, we see data as being the core of what we want. But I think Often when I say data, people think, what, you mean the names of the buyers and sellers, which I do mean. So often I say, no, it's about data insight. So it's understanding what you, Dan, want, what you're interested in, how we mm. can better help that, how we can prove that. And I know Amazon do that by then serving you up, you know, looking at what you're looking at and then sure. serving you up with more yeah. apps to do that. And that is one form of it. But actually for me and, 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 and the philosophy in ARC is that if we can better understand what you're interested in, what your issues are, not what you think you're looking for, but what your issues are, then not only can we better serve up the leads to do that, but we can also create the environments, the services, the processes that, 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 that will help you do that even better, which is basically you know, either inventing new products, new services or whatever. But also everybody wants now to feel like they've got that bespoke, that unique experience. Um, and we, we talk a lot about using data, not, you know, we won't, not every experience is unique, right? If you're one of 50,000 people in, a, in an exhibition hall, we're not going to create 50,000 unique experiences. Sure. But what we want to make sure, well, maybe we will, but not at the moment. 
what we want to make sure is that your experience is tailored to satisfy what you need to do. And that might be the same as 5,000, 10,000 other people, but we, we, can, we can do that. So it's really, really important. We talk a lot about data collection. We talk a lot about focus on what we're doing and, and leading it. But we're also investing in the systems that allow us to understand that even more. Um, we talk a lot about data-led content, which both means looking at the performance of the content. So not just because we may think it's a feel-good story, but also then the data we can extract from what that content does, whether that's a written piece or whether that's a piece on the show or whatever. So, you know, really trying to focus on that. I think in, in open transparency, I think in certain parts of the business, we're really, really good at that. In others, we're trying to build the infrastructure and, and drive sure. that. But that philosophy is key, is, is understanding um, understanding who we're serving and how best we can drive that value, either with the, the content we're driving them or the experiences or whatever. And thank you. And we obviously, you, you touched upon technology as well. And there's lots of discussions specifically within the event industry, how uh, the industry and organizers can leverage AI. So I'm assuming that the, those conversations again are happening within ARC, you know, and people freely admit we're still working it out. Talk to me about where you see the role of AI, AI and tech generally. I don't think we have an AI strategy per se at the moment. We are trying yeah. to figure it out, but we are yeah. actively looking at what that means for all functions of what we do, both the processes we do and what that means for the customers. Look, tech, I, 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 I don't like, no disrespect to all the people in our industry that call themselves event technology, but I don't like the phrase event technology per se. I accept there are some fantastic technologies out there, some of the meeting planning things, some of the platforms we have, you know, the registration bits which fuel data and all that stuff. So they're hugely important to what we do. But I think what's even more important is how we're using technology generally, whether it's AI or others, to power some of the things I was just talking about. Because technology technology allows us to provide experiences that we couldn't do before, like this, you know? Sure. Like, like what we're doing. It allows us to present things better and do other things, but it also, more importantly, allows us to better understand and process those levels of data we were talking about, the things we wanted to do and then turn that into active things. So like I said, I think things like meeting planners, I think it's hugely important and the more we can develop that because that's again, creating a bespoke experience for people are just as important as the likes of, you know, marketing services technology or, or data, data warehousing and things of that nature. We have to embrace all of those and think about how we can, you know, utilize them to drive things. And, uh, just moving forwards then in terms of the types of talent that you're looking to get into the business. Do you think that's changed maybe over the last few years? Um, maybe previous roles that you're in, the types of people that you're now recruiting? Give us a flavour of the types of, I guess, skills that you're looking for when you're, when you're looking to recruit. Yeah, no, no I, do I think we're looking for a whole different set of people we were looking for five years ago? No. But your point's well made. Are there differences in what we expect in the various departments? I think, you know, in sales, we're broadly in, in, in the same area, but we want salespeople to understand, you know, the, 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 the broader approach. You know, I think we don't just want people who are just selling, you know, come and sell me as many square meters as you can. We want somebody sure. who's much more focused on understanding what the customer proposition will have, which is basically better sales technique in my view. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think that's fundamentally changed. It's just the emphasis on what we want to do has got more. 
But you're right, when you get into, you know, the operations side of the business, and I don't just mean the event operations, then of course, yes, we're looking for much more broad technology understanding of, 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 and people who can implement the technology either as part of the role or in terms of what they want to do. And in marketing, probably that's where, in that broad church of marketing, that's probably where the, 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 the most going on. I'm, I'm a marketing manager by trade. I started as a marketing manager on a trade show some <clears throat> years ago. Yeah. And um, I, 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 marketing is so much more complicated now. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's much more hard to be, you can't be a generalist marketer. So we are, like everybody, I suppose, very focused on getting skills that are technologically savvy that understand how a tech stack works, that understand how that can manipulate the data and understand the data sets. We're very focused on people, not just to run campaigns, but also can look at subscription-based models, membership models, engagement models, those type of things. Also yeah. people who understand the role of content as well. You know, we don't, we don't yeah. want people who are just saying, let's just roll that out. Uh, you know, an event manager needs to understand not just, you know, how to lay out a floor plan, um, but also how that floor plan interacts with the content positions we want to do, with the features we want to do, and how those in turn interact with the, the broader range uh, other platforms that we have and the content strategies that have been engaged during the year. So um, again, to be fair, most of the younger people who are coming through the industry, I think already know yeah. they have these, but we're very much focused on the broader church of, of, of both content, marketing and technology that we're trying to look at. Sure. Um, unfortunately, well, I, that's what a lot of people are looking for as well. Yeah, there's a pool of people sitting around somewhere waiting to be uh, waiting to be poached. Because it's interesting. Lots of people I t uh, talk to and, and things I read. Obviously, there's a changing demographic of all the media and events. You know, we own and operate. Uh, so you know, people that were coming to an event 20 years ago might not be coming now. And also post pandemic. Can't remember what the stat was, but lots of people of a certain age, you know, moved on, retired, are doing doing other things. So, I guess when we put an event together, let's just talk about events for a minute. We need to understand that different demographics now want different things. So, you know, I look at events, and there's lots of activations and immersive experience, and you know, another word that we used a lot, experiential. So, it's I guess you're you're looking for your team and the teams to come up with those sort of solutions and differences rather than, you know, your bog standard theatres and, you know, booths. Yeah. 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 No, like, it's funny. People are right when they say that, but that's never, that's always been the case, right? People sure. move through the, the work for, for some what have you. We, we, yeah. I think, if I'm being honest, I think the events industry, the exhibition industry, even, even before COVID, so probably up until five or six years ago, was getting quite lazy. We, and I said we, because I include myself in this, we were investing in, you know, rinse and repeat technology. Actually, we were so focused on selling more square meters, maximizing the floor plan, maximizing the rebook, rather than thinking about activations experiential, what have you. And I know we had a lot of talk about it, a lot of people talking about festivalization, what have you, all of which is very valid. But I'm not sure people were embracing it because events were making huge growth, large margins, and people were loving them. And, and, and you know, so I, I, I see it 
I don't see it so much driven by by demographic change. I think it, it's just that some businesses, some events yeah. became lazy in looking at who they were serving. But it's also interesting if you look at events that emerged over the last five years, even before COVID, you know, new events, you know, new event formats, you know, like Money 2020, which is still a large event, but was looking at different ways of activation. The growth of hosted buyer and one-to-one events that, 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 that did all sorts of things. All of those are variations exactly on the theme that you're saying, Dan, in so much mm. as you're, you're trying to change the experience, you're trying to do stuff. Yes, it's still important to, to put a demonstration area or to put something that's flashy, and technology and the ability for us to do that has changed that. But yeah, you know, I've got an 11-year-old daughter, and I've always said I don't, I'm not sure I'll see her being happy walking around in a suit, you know, walking past blocks and blocks of shell scheme in the future. Yeah, I might be wrong on that because there might still be a way of presenting things differently. But the, but she is going to want you know she's got short attention span. She's going to want things activated and, and and demonstrating and showing how things work. So yeah, as an industry, we've got to do even more of that. But again, to be honest, Dan, that plays back to the point I was saying before. That's why I think the content, the interaction beyond the events, also important because I want to see what she or you or others are interested in. I can then start to try and build the experiences because experience doesn't have to be a big show yeah. or yeah. a big party. Sometimes it's just being able to interact with someone and see how something's demonstrated. Sometimes it's just the ability to find a meeting and do stuff and talk about something. So I think we need to be open and aware of that. How challenging is, is it then to implement a sort of buy and build strategy? Because I guess they're a little bit of pressure to keep the you know, the wheel turning, uh, but you can't just go off and buy a business. And also if you want a business and you can't find the right price or you've done the due diligence, it's not hundred percent right. You know, you have to go with your head, not your heart. How, how do you, how do you sort of deal with that? Do, do, do you, can you set targets and what are they movable? And what, what, what are you looking for to. Yeah. No, yeah. You just reminded me how tough it's been for the last couple of years. Look, I, yeah. There's a great phrase, you can only buy what's for sale, right? So people often say to me, did you have the you know, the 10 companies you want to buy and have you gone after them? Yes, I had a lot of things, but actually, no, we were focused, as I said earlier, on the characteristics. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And, and, and yes, there's a combination of being opportunistic because people come to you and say, would you like this? Uh, versus using the network and the knowledge and the experience we have to, to, to pick up people. So it's, it's a mixture of all of those. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's it, it's tough. It's tough. I, I said to you, we've, we've done six acquisitions. I think we've probably been in more than double that in terms of processes over that time. Yeah. So, you know, keeping that momentum going, keeping going through it, through the disappointment, through the positives. And to be honest, you're obviously you're always making a judgment call, right? You can do a sure. lot of due diligence. You can do a lot of things. But the the, the, the the art of buying a business is very much more of an art than it is a science in some ways, much as yeah. much as my backers would like to tell me it's more of a science. I can't <laughs> always do that. I said to you earlier, we, we've still got a act, very active pipeline. We're very interested in other businesses. We're very positive that the industry's come back to buying and, and, and looking at things. Um, obviously, though, that does make it a bit more competitive. Our timing was very good because we were in that post-COVID period where for a variety of reasons, a lot of our major competitors were having to just bide their time and wait. Um, but as I said, when we got we got to sort of, you said to me, did we have targets? Lots of people ask me that. People say, how big do you want ARC to be? Yeah. And um, 
with myself and with Eagle Tree, we resisted trying to put a number on that because, you know, we have a, you know, because, because, you know, you can't tell. To get to scale, it was a wide range. The definition of scale is quite a big, big thing. I think we're very comfortable that we've got to that scale. I mean, we've got 300 people all over the world now um, mm. as a business, having been zero 18 months ago. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're, we're fairly sizable in terms of our number of events, in terms of our number of brands, in terms of our opportunities we've got. I think we're now focused, yes, on buying more, but we're very much focused on buying things that fit into our existing portfolio, both in the sectors that we serve and in the regions and in what we want to do, um, which means we become, I'm going to say more selective. That probably makes it sound like we weren't selective before because we were, but our selective criteria yeah, change yeah. slightly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the thing that people have to remember, um, and I know, you know, the likes of Doug Emsley, Simon Kimball, all people who've built businesses over the time, it's easy to look from the outside and go, yeah, it's just about spending money and buying businesses. But actually, there's, there's a lot of work to do to make that, you know, pull that together, to bring the teams together, to bring what we're trying to do and drive value by, by bringing it together. So I, the challenge of acquisitions is 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 tough, but actually the, the, the growing of scale and creating value is as much about that organic growth and, 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 yeah. and driving those best practices and things. So I think that's the thing I'm now much more aspiration, aspir, aspiring to do is, is have that fine balance of both things running well together, looking at how we can grow the business as it is and, and, and leverage that strategy, but at the same time, bringing things in that will add to that. And yeah, we could, you know, we, I, Eagle Tree are wonderful supporters. They know this industry well, you know, they've done fantastic deals in, in the past with Penton, you know, they still own ALM and, 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 and um, Northstar businesses as well as some services businesses. So they know the industry well. And between us, we've got a very good understanding of, you know, yeah, we could double or treble this, but you know we're going to be selective of what we want to do and, and how, sure. we, how we grow this. But if we don't double or treble it, that won't be a failure. We're, we're very happy at the scale where we're at. I just want to um, just ask you a couple of questions. So I guess um, about yourself, you know, it's sort of 2020 or 20, you know, coming through, we're, we're in the pandemic and uh, obviously then you decide to, to go full throttle and sort of launch this, launch this new initiative when, um, Others might think, well, you know, he's done 30 years, he's run businesses, time to put your feet up, maybe be a non-exec and do a bit of consultancy and fo focus on your charity initiatives. What continues to motivate you to to undertake a not insignificant task? My wife, my wife asks me this about every day. I think I had a lot of time to reflect on this when I, when I stopped at Comic Exposure and, and COVID struck. And the truth is, I think it's because I, I, I love the industry. I love what we do. I talk a lot about being motivated about the way we change people's lives. I love that when you see that in an event, whether that's someone's professional life, whether they do a deal, whether they, whether they find some new personal thing, whatever. We, we, we help businesses succeed. We help people fulfill their careers and we drive that. And I, and I really enjoy the buzz of, of that, whether it's on digital, whether it's live at a show, whether we're doing. But I also love the industry and you know this industry is a people business everything we do is created by the teams that we have because everything we do disappears okay i know web pages and papers stay around forever but events disappear once they've gone they just go into the memory the the, the thing you read goes into your memory and what have you so the magic we create is the creativity of the teams that we use and 
I love that. I love helping businesses. I love trying to do stuff. And at the risk of sounding a bit, I don't know what the correct word is, sanctimonious or whatever, I, I, I kind of, this industry is giving me an awful lot. Like many people, I didn't, I don't feel like I chose the industry. I often used to do a career talk where I say I stumbled into the industry. And so I called it my career yeah. stumble rather than my career path. And I mean that in the positive sense, because I know a lot of people say that, but I, but I love it. And I love trying to, um, I'd love to just, you know, help, help, a, help the industry change, which does sound a bit pompous, but more importantly, I just love seeing people grow, seeing people, new leaders grow, new people grow into the business. Because I also help another couple of companies in the industry, you know, just with some offering some advice, which I hope sure. they like, I think is good. But, you know, all of that stuff's really, really positive. Plus, I, you know, I'm not sure I am ready just to stop and, and, and sit down and, and, and go on the golf course or, or just be a non-exec. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe ask me that again in five or six years' time. You're committed now. In terms of sort of highlights... And I'm sorry to ask this because when you ask someone about the highlights of the career, it's almost like um, you know they're at the end of their career, <laughs> and we just discussed that you're not. But not if you look you're, back, you're, you're writing my obituary ahead of time, are you, Dan? That's <laughs> yeah. Well, even lessons, you know, highlights, lessons, things you've learned. Maybe you can pull out one or two if you know someone's listening that sort of maybe just on their journey in this industry. Um, what sort of things you can say to them based on your experiences? Oh, that's a great question. Look, I'm, I think one thing I would say is uh, make sure you remember you're enjoying it. You know, we are an industry that works hard and doing stuff. So, I, I, again, I again I often say to people when we're at events, you know, and I see everybody running around or when we're in the middle of doing a project, so why don't you just stop for a few minutes, take a breath, and look at what you've done here. Look at where we are. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that in the full knowledge that I didn't do that enough, but when the times that I have it, it, it's amazing. So I think we sometimes get caught up. We're a very deadline-driven industry in all forms of what we are, which means we're constantly chasing deadlines, obviously. And I think sometimes you get stuck on that treadmill. So I would think partly from enjoyment, take that time to just step back and understand what we're doing, how we're changing the world, what what, what we're thing. And then the second thing is I would also urge people to take that step back and think about what they want to do, both personally and in the role that they have. Because I always find, I forget what year it is. I'm sure you do the same. You know, <laughs> I'm always planning events, you know, yes, true. three, four years yeah. in advance. And I, I, I often have to go, what year are we in? I don't know. And I think that's symbolic of the fact that you just get stuck going forward and forward and forward. And therefore, I think the things that have been important for me that have changed my life in terms of what I was doing growing through the business were times when, I'd love to say I did it on myself, but I wasn't. When I was made to stop, I don't mean, you know, but stop the, that, that, that treadmill that we're on and just reflect on what the next decision should be. And that's really important both strategically when you're thinking about what you're doing with your product and what you do, because it's easy just to chase the next next, next uh, deadline because it's there rather than thinking about why that deadline is there and what you can do. And I think that's the same personally as well is, is this industry offers huge opportunities to grow into. So even more, like multiple more ways now than, than ever was sure. there with me. And I just think um, 
you know, take that time to do that. Take that time to reflect. Maybe it's just me that was bad at doing that because as I see, say other people who are much better, but I also see a lot of people who get hooked up on that, that, that treadmill. So yeah, sure. take a breath to reflect. That type of thing is really the best thing I can say. And uh, just sort of finally, um, in terms of like, I guess your, your proudest achievement, and obviously you've got more left to achieve, so this might change. And outside looking, we go, oh, well, you know, maybe when Simon became chief executive of this business or that business, uh, or it might be, or might not be, but give us a, a flavour of one of your sort of proudest achievements within the industry. Again, I, I don't want to sound pompous. Do you know, do I, yeah, I was very proud when I got to CEO. Um, I'm very proud of, of, of sort of going all, all, stretching myself and going all over the world. I'm, I'm extremely proud of what we've done in ARC, even though people keep sure. telling me I should be, should be taking my own advice of a few seconds ago and reflecting that a bit more. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, the things that make me most proud are the people that I've worked with that have gone on to do things way better than, than 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 I have or whatever. And you know, and whether that's small bits where they've made progression in the in, in the business and we together we've grown and they've grown and done things, or whether those are people I've got many friends who are now very senior in many different organizations and what have you. And it's just I love that. I love the way of, of helping people and seeing those people develop and those are my, you know, those are my proudest moments when I, and, and I'm very proud of the fact that I have friends all over the world who I can talk to, who are both industry friends and have become, sorry, who are industry friends who become personal friends as well. And, and to see how they succeeded, how they've grown, how they fulfilled themselves and, 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 and also changed the products that they've done. That's, I, I, I those are my highlights. Yes, I've got highlights in terms of events I've ran and things I've done and initiatives we've done. But as I say, you can probably tell I'm very people focused and I think relationships, yeah. given that what we build and what we do, I think is really important to me. So I'm sorry if that sounds soppy, but that's that's definitely what makes me the most. No, you spoke from the heart and that's all we can ask for. Listen, Simon, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we wish you the best of luck for the future. Dan, thanks for the invite and love the show. It's really, really cool. Thanks for everything you do.